What's up, everybody? It's Justin. Welcome to the 26th episode of Anesthesia Success. A couple quick announcements before we dive into the episode this week. Um, we've got ASA coming up in October, we've got Azra in November, and we are taking Anesthesia Success on the road. So we're going to be hosting a couple happy hours for listeners and friends uh, at both of those locations in Orlando and in New Orleans. If you want more information about that, please go to anesthesiasuccess.com, sign up for our mailing list. We'd love to keep you in the loop and would love to meet you in person. Secondly, with regards to this episode, we're going to be talking about whole life insurance. Uh, this is a very polarizing topic in different corners of the finance community, and I want to disclaim all the content of this episode is just my personal opinion. None of this should be construed as specific financial advice. Please have a financial advisor look at the big picture of your finances before you make any significant financial decisions, including buying or terminating any type of insurance policy. So as always, thanks for listening to the Anesthesia Success Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 26 of the Anesthesia Success Podcast. We have a special guest here today, a subject matter expert, if you will, and a, a friend and fellow financial planner. His name is Chad Chubb. Chad is a fellow Philadelphian here. He runs a firm called Wealth Keel, and he, uh, he works with a lot of I mean, a lot of young physicians and young high earners, attorneys, and we have a lot of overlap in the clients whom we serve. And uh, I'm really glad to have Chad with us today. Welcome, Chad. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. Um, I've heard about it so much now. It's, a, it's an honor to be a guest. Yeah, and I'm very pleased to have you here. So we're here at FinCon. Uh, I've talked a little bit about this. You may have heard with my episodes with Dr. Jimmy Turner, the physician philosopher. FinCon is this mecca, basically, of a bunch of finance nerds and bloggers and video content producers and people like that. And uh, we're here to try to be able to get the word out for financial education through different mediums and get better at what we do in, in that way. And so Chad is here, like me, trying to be able to better promote some of the financial content he's producing over at WealthKeel. And as part of that, we were talking and we decided to get a couple beers as we're sitting here uh, recording this episode and talk about some of the, the like, pet peeves that we have about physician finances and where we see doctors really taken advantage of and how can we help to, uh, you know, just get the word out in the spirit of financial education like we're doing here at FinCon. How can we share some information that's hopefully going to be valuable to um, apply, everyone can take it and apply to their lives, especially for physicians who are younger and in transitions in employment, moving from residency to fellowship and into that first attending role. Uh, and what we're gonna talk about specifically is my unabashed opinions about whole life insurance and why I think that it is not inherently evil, <laughs> but is often utilized in an evil way. And Chad and I, we, we see this a lot. So Chad, talk a little bit about your, your thoughts and opinions here. Yep, so I, I always like to start off with my disclaimer on whole life insurance, meaning that we're not anti-whole life in the sense of never touch with a 10,000 foot pole. Uh, personal story, I have my own small whole life policy that I got when I first got into the business. Probably the same story that, that many of you heard where you have to get it, it does this, it does this, it does that. And this is me very young in the industry. And today I have a very small policy. Even knowing what I know today and when I tell clients not to, to get these policies in place, depending on their, you know, uh, circumstances, I still have mine in place. It's small though, pay 150 bucks per month. It's one of those things where I'll keep around for, for my at least two sons as we sit here today. If the family grows, you know, I'll keep adding term insurance. So <laughs> I like to first put that disclaimer out there because I don't, I, I think it makes my opinion a little bit more, uh, 
validated just because it's it's not that I'm coming at you and saying like, hey, don't do this, don't do that. Uh, and maybe just take a minute before we dive into the weeds and yeah. say like, what is whole life insurance? And obviously, anybody who's read a little bit online, this can be a very polarizing topic. If you got a white coat investor, which is you know we reference a lot in this podcast, which is a great resource for financial uh, literacy for physicians, uh, it's regularly lambasted. <laughs> for a lot of the reasons that we're gonna to discuss today. So what is whole life, Chad? Yeah, so whole life insurance, it falls under that umbrella of permanent life insurance. Um, the good news is whole life insurance, out of all the, the ULs, the IULs, you know, you put a letter in front of UL, they probably have a product for that these days. Whole life is probably the, the simplest form. That's where you're, you know, you're gonna have your, your life insurance, but you're still putting money away. It's your forced savings, and you're gonna get paid an interest rate, and then if the the insurance companies provide a dividends. That's where you'll see your guaranteed versus non-guaranteed on the illustrations and all that fun technical jargon side. But the the simple concept is it's supposed to be there for your whole life. So you pay your premium. As uh, long as the insurance company's there, you should have a payout when, when you pass away. As I said, whole life's probably the easier one to understand. When you get into the ULs and the IULs, this is one of my biggest pet peeves with the insurance industries. These products are sold and no one ever checks back with you. And if you don't keep up with these policies, we can see things go really bad. So mm -hmm. you could buy this policy, assuming it's a whole life, um, again, talking index ULs, IULs, and universal life, which is labeled as a UL. Uh, but if you're not checking up on those with in-force illustrations, we have seen these policies be on the verge of blowing up. So that's where we think whole life actually is probably the more simple concept of, of permanent life insurance. Yeah, and so to be clear, when we're talking about insurance, and we've talked about it a little bit on the show, we're gonna talk about it more in the future, but insurance is something you get to protect against an unlikely and unfortunate eventuality. And so you need to protect yourself against that. You get insurance on your car, you get insurance on your, your health and your house and a bunch of other things. And one of the things that you insure is your life. So if you die prematurely, then there are cases in which you wanna be able to replace future unearned income. So especially if you're a young physician, and if you're married, for example, or if you have kids, or if you have a mortgage, and you weren't there tomorrow, God forbid, and you're an anesthesiologist making $375,000 at the, you know, the anesthesia practice down the street. If you've bought a house and you've got a couple kids in it and a spouse, and that 375K per year is something that's being relied upon, then this is an opportunity where insurance is necessary. You have what's called an insurable need. One of the problems with whole life, insurance, and, and I'm gonna sort of lump some of the other permanent insurances in here, in this bucket, is that they're not often linked to insurable need. So this is one of my pet peeves, and I'd be interested in your thoughts, Chad, is that you get insurance and it's not really for the, you don't actually need the insurance at the time. So I see a lot of, for example, like young single attending physicians who have a bunch of student loans and maybe a mortgage, and they have this whole life policy that they're paying 500, 1,000, 1,500, $2,000 a month on where their their cash flow crunched if they die not like nobody's going to miss them because their you know their parents and their siblings would miss them but no one's depending on their income so because there's no insurable need in this case whole life insurance or i would say any life insurance unless there's a specific reason to have it is probably totally unnecessary yes well said before we even we, we hopped on the uh the recording here I, I told justin that one of the most common inquiries we get you know, we get a lot of contacts through the white coat investor and, and we're in Philly as well. So we, um, we get a good amount of, of individuals that follow us through Google. And, and whenever we get that initial contact, we send out a Google form. And in that Google form, we have a question about life insurance and no one really knows the proper box to check. 
But when we get on that intro call, it, it starts off with like, hey, you know, I, I think I have one of those bad insurances. I'm not sure. It seems like the one that Dr. Jim was talking about. And he said, you know, it's really bad because at this point we don't collect any documents. It's really just an open conversation. And I can ask a simple question, you know, what's your premium per month? And it's usually a couple thousand dollars. I mean, we, we've, we've seen, I think the highest so far we've seen is $4,000 per month. So we had a physician that is a lot of money popping in $48,000 per month into a policy. 48k per year. Yeah. Yep. What did I say? Yeah, per month. Uh, yeah, don't, yeah, no, no, sorry. don't do it per month. That's a really big policy. Yeah. 48,000 per year. So we we often see around 2,000 and and to Justin's point, it, it couldn't have been said any better where it's it's usually being sold at the wrong time. And going back to my earlier, you know, notes on permanent life insurance may make sense for some. We have some physicians that come to us and they're pro whole life. They love it. They know everything about it. They can explain it well enough. And we're fine. If you if you believe in that, we can build a plan around that. But a lot of times they, they don't understand the moving parts, the pros and cons. Student loans is one. They're yeah. trying to save up for a home. You know, a lot of physicians that end up in a pretty large metropolitan area, at least for, for you know, most of our clients, we, we still have our, our rural physicians as well. When we go through the plan, we talk about their values, we talk about their needs, we talk about, you know, what they really want out of life that cash flow can util usually be utilized somewhere else much more efficiently from both a value and a goal perspective. And we can get a lot more bang for the buck, some just traditional term life insurance. That's right. Um, and I want to come back to term life in a minute, but yeah. I, I really liked what you said about the student loans, because obviously if you're a physician, you know, under the age of 40, you, if you still have debt, hopefully you're close to working through it, but often into your early thirties and mid thirties is very commonly physicians have six figures of debt. And often it's 6%, 7%, 8%. And that's a really expensive um, student loan. And in these cases where you're in a full repayment track, meaning you've got to pay back every penny, if your loan is at 8%, mm -hmm. why would you, Travis Hornsby at Student Loan Planner has made this observation. Why would you want to lock in a negative interest rate differential by getting a whole life policy that's going to guarantee you, in air quotes, 5% return yeah. or four and a half or five and a half. If you have student loans at seven and a half and you have $300,000 that you owe, there's no case, I mean, that I can think of <laughs> where, where it would make sense to ever get a whole life policy in this context when you have a couple hundred grand of student loans at six, seven, eight percent and you're locking in a lower rate of return on a whole life policy. But I see it all the time. Mm -hmm. to, to that point, we even just saw this recently, a physician out in Chicago now, this wasn't a whole life policy. Again, whole lives are a little bit easier to understand. They're a little bit easier to explain, too. Uh, but she had an index UL from one of the big insurance providers. And we asked her to run an Enforce illustration. She was a rock star. She literally got it to us in, in just a few days. And the, the rates they were illustrating were 10% rates of return. That's also a problem. Like, the odds of you keeping that year after year, just use an example, our financial planning software, we use usually less than 6%, maybe like a mid five. And to be clear, so what, what was happening with an in-force illustration is that you're asking the insurance company for an estimate of the growth of this IUL, saying like, I have this policy, it's an indexed universal life policy, and then what is a reasonable assumption mm -hmm. for you as the person who bought this policy, what is a reasonable assumption of the growth of that cash in that policy? And you're saying the insurance company at the baseline, as their baseline assumption said, 10% growth is what we're projecting on this policy. Exactly. Yeah. So think of Enforce Illustrations. We'll keep it in medical terms. Think of it as your annual checkup. The problem is uh, they're like the the uh, the pesky patient that does not get annual checkups. But 
Enforce Illustration should be done on an annual basis. Unfortunately, they're not. But yeah, so now they did show all the rates of return. But imagine the one that they, they led with, 10%. And, and to put this into context too, you as the end consumer of that policy, this is the equivalent of me getting my blood test for bat, my blood test results back and you telling me figure it out if you're healthy or not. That's essentially what Enforce Illustration is. So even for you as the consumer of that policy, you could get an Enforce Illustration and it's the same as you providing me my blood test results saying figure it out on your own. Enforce Illustration gives us some insight, but you still have to understand like what's going on. So yeah. You know, while Justin and I can sit here and say like, hey, we understand this, we understand this, a lot of consumers are, again, sold those policies while they're in residency or they're, uh, you know, three years into attending status, uh, they're pumping all this money into it and we don't know the end game. That's the part that really upsets us the most. Totally. They're sold and then they walk away. That's right. And, and let me also say this, anybody who's smart enough to graduate from med school and complete residency and hold people's lives in their hands and make decisions that people's lives depend upon. If you can do those things, you are smart enough to understand a financial product or investment. So if somebody tries to sell you something or recommend something that you can't understand, yeah, if you don't understand why you're doing it or how much it costs, if you can't get that and you can graduate from med school and you can't understand that, then you should probably run for the hills. Would you say, Chad? Yes. If you can, if you can get through your first level of chem in college, uh, which we all know that you're you're very far past that. Yeah. Um, if you can't explain at least the basics of why you put this policy in place, that's usually a concern for us. That's where we start to feel like something was sold. Not all the time. Maybe you you did you know you did your research, and uh, we all know our, our brains only have capacity for so much information, and maybe you just it did fall out. But to to Justin's point it would start to raise some red flags, or at least some yellow flags, we'll say. Totally, and and this is actually a tenet of mine, personally, where if I can't, under, I'm, I'm not like a genius, <laughs> but I'm pretty smart, and I work hard at knowing what I need to know, especially when I'm serving my clients. And it, if I can't get my brain wrapped around some investment or some insurance product in you know, three to five minutes of someone explaining it to me, frankly, I'm just not interested, because okay. there's always tail risk, right? There's an opportunity, there's a chance that something's gonna go wrong that I couldn't have foreseen, because of things I didn't understand. And I don't like things I don't understand. Yeah. And there are lots of very complex insurance products where a contract can be like 100 pages plus that outlines all the terms of how this financial product is gonna behave. And in many cases, it was sold by an agent who is not an expert, maybe newly licensed. You can actually get, I mean, licensed for insurance. You can study the book and in a few weeks, be licensed to sell some of these very complex insurance products that are a you know, a hundred plus page contract. And if you can't understand all the ways it's gonna function in different market cycles and as part of your broader financial plan, uh, if, if I can't understand that, I'm never gonna use it for a client because we don't need that, especially for physicians. You're making a lot of money. Um, if you live beneath your means, you save a bunch of money, you use um, simple low cost products and investments that you can wrap your brain around and then you just rinse and repeat for years, There's there's nothing that can stop you from getting to financial independence very quickly. We use the concept of simple and, simple and boring is just fine. Yeah. Whether it's financial planning, whether it's investments, we also have a, a, a comment that we throw in with most of our plan presentations that most bad financial advice happens in hospital cafeterias. Mm. I, don't, I don't know <laughs> what they put in the food there for all you guys and gals, but it, it just seems like, uh, hey, I invested in my third cousin's aunt's cousin's brother's friend's new startup. It's cool though, he's out of the basement, but it has some real legs to it, like well, this could work out. 
So just remember, simple and boring is just fine. You don't you don't need grand slams with your with the income that you all have, um, you know, as an anesthesiologist or just even physicians in general. Just keep it simple and boring, and you should be very happy throughout retirement. And and probably you're setting not just yourself up, but probably even you know generations to come by just making good, smart, simple financial decisions. Totally. And when it comes to you know the reason that you're making this decision, I as I said, like I want to understand on behalf of my clients why we're doing something, and then I'm going to recommend it, and I'm going to explain this is why I think we should do this, and here's the function that, for example, this term life policy holds. You're married, you have two kids, your mortgage is $5,000 a month, you make $300,000 a year, we need to replace your income with a $3 million life insurance policy in the event that you die, or whatever the number is. There's a very clear, logical reason for that. If you find that you're transacting on an insurance product or an investment, and the reason for implementing it is a personal relationship, meaning like, oh, this is my, it's my brother, or my brother-in-law, <laughs> it's or brother-in-law. this is, <laughs> whatever, my cousin who's who's recommending this thing. And the reason for the implementation is like someone's proximity to you. This is my roommate from college. He wouldn't he wouldn't lead me astray. I would say stop right there. We're, we're going the wrong direction. If we're not tying this to a very clear outcome financially, then we're thinking about it all wrong. And as long as you stick to that, you're a doctor, you're smart, you can understand this. If you don't understand it, don't do it. <laughs> or or have a, you know, a planner, a financial planner preferably a fee-only financial planner who has no commission incentive, explain in very clear terms to you what's what's going on and, and bring some education. And in the course of doing that, you can definitely get, get up to speed. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing we always we, we always tell clients, whether maybe they really like the policy and it does make sense for them, you can always ask an insurance agent, insurance broker, ask them how much they get paid. If you want to see the other side of things and understand how it works, ask them. And if they're not willing to disclose that, that's probably another giant red flag on, okay, that seems weird. I mean, we, we tell clients all the time, what, you, you wanna know how much we get paid on disability policy? It's X, this term life insurance, X. We're happy to disclose that because you know, being independent, we know you can work with us or go use someone from White Coat Investors page, that's fine. At least we know you're in good hands. Yep. When there's too many moving parts though, just, just make sure you're asking the right questions. Yeah, that's right. So we talked about the people for whom whole life or these other more complex, insurance products would not be a good fit. So basically like anybody who's a younger physician, who has student loans, who wants to aggressively pay down debt, who has a lot of other cash flow obligations. The, these are times at which it, it just, in my opinion, and this is, this is Justin talking, this is just me, one man's opinion, but this is a strong opinion. It just doesn't make sense. You don't need to complexify your life, to borrow Jeff Bezos' term. You don't need to complexify your life with these financial products and things that are gonna only create problems for you down the road. However, you know, there may come a time in life, and Chad, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Is, is it ever okay? <laughs> what if, what, at what point is it okay to get an IUL or to get uh, a whole life policy or to have insurance as part of the bigger picture? Or should we just take the Jim Daly approach? Like, this is always bad, whole life bad all the time, not interested. Yeah, good question. So for, for starters, we have never utilized, I, I've never even looked at in a client capacity, IULs, ULs. I only know about ULs because when I first started as an advisor, I helped another advisor do enforced illustrations on a book that he took over. And we found out that even UL policies were blowing up because the guaranteed rates of return, or excuse me, the rates of return that they were illustrating and the guaranteed, they were actually closer to the guaranteed results. Um, and again, meaning going, essentially the insurance companies were overestimating the amount of return that these policies were going to bring. And the client had no idea that the assumptions were unreasonable. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where I think you always assume it might be somewhere in the middle. But in this case, when you see uh, essentially guaranteed, it, it's just saying that this is the lowest rate of return we'll offer, but these are the highest expenses. This is your worst case column. And usually it looks pretty ugly. It's, mm -hmm. it's scary to look at. Um, and then you'll have the or the non-guaranteed side, which looks like, you know, we're all going to be buying yachts and driving private <laughs> jet or flying private jets at some point. That's that we're not a big fan of IULs or ULs. Whole life insurance. Here's the way that I describe it. Besides essentially two very unique circumstances, which to be honest, they were actually non-medical professionals. We have used it. The only time we will research it and put it into a plan is if someone comes to us, they say they like it, they can explain it to us. Well, we just had a physician from up in New York. He had a ton of whole life. He explained it better than probably 99% of insurance agents could could explain it. And that's where we knew that, hey, if he would move forward with us, we're okay building around this because he understands it. Mm -hmm. That's that's usually where it fits. You know, It's one of those things, Justin, where we're 99.99% of our clients we're not going to put it into their plan proactively, yeah. you know, in, in today's in today's world. Yeah, and I feel the same. And I'm trying to remember a time I've ever rec so there's a couple of times in which I would say, if you put you know the gun to my head and said, what are you, what are you gonna do? When would you, if you needed to give somebody a whole life policy, in what yeah. situations would you recommend it? And again, I'm not like morally opposed to this in 100% of circumstances. Yeah. I just Chad and I see it abused so frequently. We see it used incorrectly and we see physicians who don't understand what they have and they're paying these couple thousand a month premiums at times when they're cash crunched and they're 32 they're trying to move across the country to take on their job and their student loans are killing them and it's 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 just unnecessary headache now having said that if you have a paid off house and you have no student loans and you're like 43 and you're a partner in your practice and your spouse is a physician mm -hmm. and you max out all of your retirement plans and you have a db plan or a cash balance pension plan with your practice and you're saving another six-figure number pre-tax and you're doing your backdoor Roth contributions and you're literally checking every single box and you have a diversified asset allocation and you're like, you know what, I just want something else that's a little bit different, that's going to have a different risk return profile. It's going to behave differently in my yep. portfolio. When everything else zigs, I want something that will zag. Yep. That could hypothetically be an opportunity to say, you know what, I want a good high quality whole life policy that's gonna pay a healthy dividend with a, an insurance company that is uh, very financially strong. And again, I, I probably wouldn't proactively bring that, same as you, Chad, because I like cash in your bank account right now. And yeah. if you're that close to financial independence, I, I mean, it's, it's sort of a coin flip whether or not it would even make a difference. But that could be a case in which I would at least be indifferent if somebody's like i really want whole life because i think this could help fill out the whole picture i can live with that yeah i agree with every point the two that i would add on to that too is someone that does have a high need for permanent life insurance whatever reason maybe that they're big into estate planning yeah. purposes um so they actually do have a, a big insurance need for whatever reason it would be uh the other one would be they hopefully they're very risk averse because you're at, at best, you're gonna keep pace with inflation maybe a little bit better, at least in today's interest rate environment. That's where when it comes back to, hey, yes, you gotta be doing everything before that correct, everything Justin just said there. But the other two big things we see a lot is again, maybe they do really want some form of permanent, hey, if everything goes sour, or maybe they have a lot of their money in their business and they're still working and, and the business could go sour, but they still wanna leave a million dollars to their kids, yeah. maybe that makes sense. And then on top of that, they say, Literally, the stock market gives me stomach ulcers every single night. I, I just can't do it. And as long as the, the, the insurance agent is explaining like, hey, 
when the market though is up 10, 15% for that year, this policy is gonna be boring as all heck. Mm -hmm. You know, you're again, just doing inflation. It's a very slow play game. And that's where you have to understand the pros and cons. No matter what you do in financial planning and investment management insurance, everything has a pro and a con. It's just do the pros outweigh the cons and then does that pro and con list make sense for your situation? That's also again, another one of the issues we have on the insurance side is we think it's very hard to give accurate insurance policies without knowing all the moving parts. Disability insurance, a little bit easier, I think, because you're insuring an income and there's limits on how much you can get. And to say, hey, my salary is 240, my salary is 370, that's an easier one to get. Yeah. To know that, hey, we're paying for little Jimmy's college and, and you know, little Susie also wants to go to Harvard. Uh, you know, my salary is this, we want to replace that. We have a million dollar home. Uh, we also want, you know, this, this, and that. Uh, we also love the Red Cross and the, the you know, Humane Society you don't usually get into that with just an insurance agent only too. Right. So that's one of our other issues where I think life insurance, getting that guidance from a planner, mm-hmm. whether that planner can implement it for you or it's just a fee only advisor like Justin where you can say, hey, listen, this is what I think you need. Take this line, go to this guy that I trust or this gal that I trust or go to this website because we trust all these individuals. I think that's also really important when you're looking at the grand scheme of things. Totally agree. And so to just kind of bring it home here, there, there are definitely niche times in which something like this could be appropriate. And I'm glad you brought up the estate planning one. That's a good one. Like if I need to guarantee that there's $3 million in my estate, come hell or high water, no matter how long I live and how much money I spend, and if I'm about to be destitute, like I need that to happen. The best way to guarantee that that happens is with a whole life insurance policy and that you can live to 106 years old and you're not gonna outlive a term policy. And, and that can be a way to guarantee estate funding to accomplish whatever your estate goals are. Like I wanna leave a million dollars to each of my kids, I wanna leave another million to my favorite charity. Yep. If you're hell-bent on doing that no matter what, great, do a $3 million whole life policy. Now short of that, do you ever like really, I mean outside of like, again, specific business buy-sell agreement, trying to, yep. there, there's other specific utilizations that can make sense, but if you don't really know why you're doing it and it's because of like a relationship or because someone's pushing something on you. And again, we see this just all the time and that's why we're having this conversation. Uh, Just think twice because there's probably a better way. And the way that I think about this is the reason that I never need, even for those clients who wanna leave 3 million in an estate, I just, I think, well, we're gonna have term life before you're like 50 in Mm -hmm. most cases where we'll have two or three or $4 million of term coverage. So if you die, God forbid, when you're 35 and kind of just starting to make good money, then that huge amount of money is gonna be left to your survivors, your surviving family. And then if you live until you're 50 and all your term life expires that you Mm -hmm. bought, then you've been making three or 400K for 30 years. And if you're working with me, hopefully we've been able to stuff some of this away and invest it wisely and responsibly and allow it to grow over time. And so your asset base is gonna be more than three or $4 million anyway. So big picture, I just don't find that I need to use a whole life policy very often at all in order to accomplish those goals. Yeah, I agree. And again, this is where it comes back to that that specific individual. Because where you and I can sit there and run financial planning and Monte Carlo simulation and say, listen, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, you guys are gonna have $50 million. Like, this is without a doubt. Even if we come into, you know, say five, seven million dollars. Um, for you and I to say that is one thing, it's just this, some clients mm-hmm. still don't trust that because yep. whether it's in the stock market or bonds, mm-hmm. I mean, technically we could go throw it in the bank and you know, we were getting you know 1.9 at, at Ally or Marcus or wherever. Some of them still like to always know that's this number. They tell us that coming into it. And that's where I think 
it fits certain situations better than others, yeah. but coming into that, it's a very small fraction. Yeah. And still, remember, all these details we're adding, we're, we're now talking clients that have their dream house, probably have their beach house. Right. They have been maxing out accounts for many years. They have more term life insurance than they need. Uh, the kids' 529 plans are funded. Uh, maybe they're out of college by now. We're getting into a very specific subsector, and yeah. this subsector is happening much later in life. Yeah, I think you said 46 is our example. You know, you could probably even say like this isn't even coming into the wheelhouse for a lot. Again, thinking in the physician world too, because student loans take up such a big chunk, and we get a little bit of a later start. You know, this is like a 50 plus conversation, I yeah. think, for that specific group. Thinking in terms of again, you know, who you and I work with day in and day out. Yeah, and and one of the challenges, and we're going to wrap it up here in a minute, is that when you're a doctor, everyone who knows you're a doctor understands that you make a good income, mm -hmm. and if you work for a company that is going to compensate an advisor, and I'll put that in air quotes, a financial advisor, who, who compensates an advisor based on a transaction, a transaction which requires a big expenditure to get a, you know, a sizable commission, then anybody who's looking to do a big transaction as an insurance agent, again, that's what I'm calling a financial advisor, who's offering this solution, there's this temptation, you know, there, there's this fee model, just, it's, it's just a conflict of interest, really. And it needs to be navigated carefully. And if and an agent doesn't navigate it carefully, they're gonna end up selling a product to somebody who they know they can afford it from a cash flow standpoint. Like, you know, if you're making good money, you can afford that two or three K a month, but it's costing you a lot because you're not paying down your loans, you're not doing your all your pre-tax savings and you're, um, there's, you're leaving more opportunity cost on the table than you need to, and you're not using the most efficient insurance product that you could be. So if that's you out there and you're, you know, younger than 40 and you have one of these permanent type of insurance policies, whole life, IULs, ULs, variable universal life, or any type of annuity. I, again, this isn't financial advice, and I'm gonna put a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode too. <laughs> but think hard about why you have it. Remember that you went to med school and you're smart, and you can understand it, and if you don't, then you probably should reconsider it. Chad, any parting words? No, well said there to end it. You know, just to add to that, we're come back to what we said earlier in the, the, the conversation here. If you can't explain it, at least get an opinion from an outside counsel. And then if you have to go back to that um, individual, ask them, you know, why does this make sense for our situation again? Um, you're paying a lot of money. Make sure you know what you're paying for. That's right. And um, we'll wrap it up with that. Chad Chubb, Wealth Keel, thank you very much for joining us today on the Anesthesia Success Podcast. It was an honor. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> <laughs>